Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I am Mike Bernhard, a member of the IWW. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. And I'm Anna Ham, a proud member of the WORT Radio News Collective. I'm here because I have a nose for news and I like to pick it. This week we bring you news of important mobilizations including marches against gun violence in Madison for the Poor People's Campaign in D.C. We learn the latest on nurses' fight to organize at UW Hospital and Clinics, get an update on organizing at CUNA Mutual, learn about organizing drives in the video game industry, and one major retail chain, share a new statistic of the week, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio. The drive by nurses to win back their union at the UW Hospital took a big leap forward last week. Frank Emsbach has the story. On June 2nd, Attorney General Call concluded, quote, that it is within the authority's statutory power to voluntarily engage in collective bargaining, end quote. In this letter to the governor, the state said there is no legal reason for the UW hospitals and clinics to refuse to voluntarily recognize SCIU Healthcare Wisconsin as the collective bargaining agent for nurses at UW. SCIU has described the decision of the attorney general as a game changer. Labor Radio spoke with Becky McConnell, longtime UW nurse. Labor asked Nurse McConnell to explain to the listeners why this letter is so important. UW's stance has always been that they are legally unable to recognize our union. And so this letter, because it comes from the Attorney General, is, is the highest law in Wisconsin and he says they can bargain with us. It's they UW can no longer say they don't have legal authority to bargain. Has the letter changed the mood of the nurses as regards organizing and the union? Yeah, so we were very happy to get that letter, and the nurses are very charged up now. It's been a long two and a half years fighting with UW to get our union back, and this just gives us more hope that they'll do the right thing and let us have the union. What are the next steps for the union's organizing campaign? We're still in the planning phases. We have a lot of things on the table, but we are in the planning phases and have committees 
How would the level of patient care be improved if the nurses win collective bargaining? So the patient care, since I, I, I've worked there with a union and without a union, and the patient care was much better when we had a union. We had safer staffing levels, a lot of protections for the nurses not to be mandated to stay over their required shift. And there was less burnout, I feel like. The patient care was much better. We were able to retain senior nurses that have now left UW because of a lot of different reasons. But so there's a lot of new nurses. We can't retain anybody with, without a union, I feel like. Back in the day, UW, it was hard to get a nursing job there because they were regarded as the place to work and they retained their staff. Nobody ever left and they had high standards. And now they are just trying to fill the holes, I feel like. So they don't have the expertise needed at a level one trauma center that gives good patient care for all the specialties that we have there. Is there anything else you would like to add? I just hope that UW does the moral and right thing to be able to get our to take care of their nurses and their patients. The patients are suffering because of this. They do quick fixes. They don't include the nurses in any decisions regarding patient care. Uh, the people making the decisions haven't worked patient care. So I just hope that they do the right thing and letting, letting us have our union. Thanks to Nurse Becky McConnell for this interview. I am Frank Emsbach from Madison Labor Radio. Labor contract negotiations continue slowly but steadily at Madison financial giant CUNA Mutual, and the union is keeping up the pressure. Labor Radio's Greg Jabowski spoke yesterday with Joe Avica, the local's chief steward, with an update. Two weeks ago, Labor Radio reported that the Madison-based CUNA Mutual, represented by OPEIU Local 39, sat back down, after a long delay by CUNA management, to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement. Labor Radio got an update yesterday from Joe Avica, chief steward at Local 39 at CUNA, after a bargaining session yesterday. We talked with management today about mostly job security issues, had some additional discussion trying to solidify definitions around things like outsourcing, contracting of work, subcontracting, and things like that. We have about 10 people on the bargaining team, eight of which are my coworkers at CUNA Mutual Group, um, and two which are part of OPEIU staff. Vic is pleased that there seems to be slow but steady progress on the issue of job security. We've started to really have some better discussions with the company, specifically around job security. They've began to put forward more promising language than they have over the first three months of the bargaining process. We didn't get that far in regards to job security for the first three months, but more recently they have put forward some real language that we can kind of sink our teeth into and be able to begin to formulate a counter proposal regarding things like the contracting of work, outsourcing, as well as things like the recognition clause and the way that remote work will be handled going into the future for our union. Avika explains the importance of the recognition clause. Historically at CUNA Mutual Group, the recognition clause was created decades ago and it limited the work that would be considered bargaining unit work to the Madison and Middleton area. 
with the pandemic happening two years ago, 95% of our membership moved to a remote work setting, which opens up the opportunity for both workers at Kina Mutual Group to move to different locations, but also for the company to potentially hire people remotely anywhere in the United States. We recognize the real need to update the recognition clause to reflect those kinds of changing circumstances because Kina Mutual Group is likely going to continue the process of hiring people remotely, which is something that we're open to as a union, as long as it's not something that threatens the existence of our union by limiting us to the Madison location. Avika gives examples of the knotty issues that come up with a move to remote work in a company with both union and non-union shops. They do have several other offices located in places like Great Bend, Kansas and Waverly, Iowa. They're officially not represented. They've suggested that they're open to changes which would essentially allow for the company to hire bargaining unit employees remotely anywhere in the United States. We still have some work to do regarding language around transfer of work to make sure that they can't simply decide that they're going to quote-unquote transfer the work from Madison to Waverly, making it in effect a non-union position, even though the work is actually being performed remotely. But according to Avika, CUNA management is still dragging its feet on key contract issues. On the question of things like our pension and the freezing of the pension, on the question of things like health care as well as wages, they have given zero financial reasons at the bargaining table for why they've put forward proposals to cut our health care or freeze the pension plan. And they know that they don't have any financial reasoning behind it because this past year they made record profits. And the first quarter of this year, they also seem to be on track to make record profits again. Our company has been profitable for the last 20 years. So, as they have done before, OPEIU Local 39 will take to the streets, says Avika. We are planning to continue on with informational pickets in front of the company's main headquarters. Our next informational picket is going to be on Saturday, June 25th at the 5810 Mineral Point Road headquarters for CUNA Mutual Group. That will be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So we encourage any community members to feel free to join us on the picket line, have conversations with us about what's going on at your workplace. You know, maybe there's things that we can share as well that would help other workers in the Madison area. That was Joe Avica, Chief Steward of OPEIU Local 39 at CUNA Mutual Group, speaking yesterday to Labor Radio. Avika announced that the union's next informational picket, which anyone in the community can join, will be two weeks from tomorrow, Saturday, June 25th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at CUNA headquarters at 5810 Mineral Point Road in Madison. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jaboski. As of Tuesday, there had been 246 mass shootings in the United States. The March for Our Lives mobilization, which began in 2018 after the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, is back this Saturday to demand an end to the violence. Labor Radio's Janine Ramsey reports. One life is worth more than all the guns in America. This is not a red versus blue issue. 
This is a morals issue. That was a young speaker in the National March for Our Lives back in 2018. Wisconsin March for Our Lives youth organizers, Abby Stickles and Addie Gent, tell us what March for Our Lives Wisconsin is doing in response to the recent mass shootings. March for Our Lives is a youth-powered, nonprofit, nonpartisan organization um, fighting to end gun violence. We took to the streets four years ago, and we're taking to the streets again this Saturday, June 11th. Where is this taking place in Madison? Our march will conduct at 3 p.m. at the state capitol on the side of the square that connects with State Street. Who's invited to this rally? The hope is that the whole community will show up. What are you hoping to accomplish with this march? Our biggest cry, our biggest call to action with March for Our Lives right now is universal background checks. But beyond our cry for gun violence prevention, we also work to mobilize voters to help educate youth and educate general populations about different social justice items and just about how they can get involved in their community in impactful ways. Where can people go or who can people contact if they want more information? I would start by following our, all of our social media, which is at MFOL Wisconsin on Instagram and March for Our Lives Wisconsin on Facebook. I would also email MFOLWisconsin at gmail.com with any questions or concerns and we'll reach right back out to people. What we want most people to recognize is that we are hosting a march at the State Street side of the state capitol at 3 p.m. on June 11th. This will um, conduct with speakers, then move into a march down State Street. We will host a moment of silence and reflection to all the mass shootings that have occurred over the last couple months. And then we will march back towards the state capitol to wrap up and to call for action. So anyone is welcome. We hope that y'all show up. We hope that y'all bring water, bring your friends, bring your family. Um, we will be marching and we're very excited. Thank you so much. So that was Abby Stickles and Adeline Gent. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. The Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign is joining a mass assembly and march in Washington, D.C. on Saturday, June 18th. Reverend Ari Douglas of Janesville is one of the Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign co-chairs. Keith Steffen interviewed him for Labor Radio News. Okay, Reverend Douglas, what is your position in the Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign? I am uh, one of the tri-chairs. I'm also the chair of Faith and Moral Outreach, and I am the state campaign organizer for Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign until the 20th. What are the goals of the June 18th Poor People's and Low Wage Workers Assembly and Moral March on Washington and to the polls? So we are pushing for a third reconstruction, which will definitively answer the issues of racism and poverty facing our nation. And what labor organizations are supporting the Poor People's March? Quite a few, but AFL-CIO may be the largest. SEIU is also a large one that's supporting us. I know there's some teachers unions as well and, uh, and various others. And what other kinds of organizations do you have supporting the Poor People's March? Scuffle, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is also supporting us. But we also have a variety of churches. 
We have community organizations that are centered around various impacted individuals uh, within my own town of Janesville, Wisconsin. Janesville Pride is uh, supporting Poor People's Campaign and sending folks to D.C. And are there still seats available on the buses going to Washington? Seats are limited. It's kind of a shifting thing right now. But uh, if uh, we have 40 people who want to get on a bus, then we can make a bus to happen. What time will the buses be leaving and returning? That's a good question, which is sort of in the air. The time that we have tentatively been given is leaving at 5 on Friday and returning at 7 in the morning on Sunday, but that is subject to change. And how can people contact the Poor People's Campaign to find out more about transportation to Washington for the June 18th march? You can either contact me. My phone number is 918-894-1293, or you can email me at c.douglassalm85 at gmail.com, or you can also email Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign, wisconsin at poorpeoplescampaign.org. What other programs and events are the Poor People's Campaign supporting? So we have people who are not able to come to D.C. who are going to be taking part in Juneteenth activities in in Rock County and various other places in the state. Is there other information you'd like to share with the listeners? We will be having a national send-off on Facebook. You can find it at Kairos Center. So that's K-A-I-R-O-S Center on Facebook. That'll be this Sunday at 5. And it'll be a uh, interfaith blessing of all those who are going to D.C. Anyone who is going or not going is certainly welcome. So future events and some past events may be accessible through the Facebook page. Yes. So we have Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign is our Facebook page. The two anchor organizations of Poor People's Campaign nationally is Cairo Center and Repairs of the Breach. Repairs of the Breach is in... I believe North Carolina, but it's a national organization headed by Reverend Dr. William J. Barber. And Cairo Center is, I believe, in New York, associated with Union Seminary. And the president of that is Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris. And they are the co-chairs for the National Poor People's Campaign. Well, thank you very much, Reverend Douglas. That was Radio uh, Labor Radio's Keith Steffen interviewing Reverend Douglas. Next, game workers are organizing all over. Here is Labor Radio Scott McCullough with the news. Following in the wake of the union win at Raven Software in Middleton, quality assurance workers at a game studio in Canada have just had a unanimous vote in favor of unionization. Workers at Keywords Studios in Edmonton, Canada, had their votes counted this past Monday and all 16 were yes. The studio, which has dozens of offices worldwide, does contract work for other development companies rather than publish their own games directly. Quality assurance workers are among the lowest paid and have the least benefits within the software and video game industry. Workers at Keyword Studios told the online news outlet Polygon that they didn't receive paid time off and start at a pay rate of 15 Canadian an hour. The company began implementing a return-to-office plan that included less flexibility for QA workers, meaning if they had COVID symptoms or exposures, they were unable to have paid time off or work from home, and instead would simply miss pay. Following workers at Raven, the QA workers at Keyword Studios are now the second union of video game workers at a AAA studio in North America. The workers voted to join the UFCW Local 401. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Scott McCullough. Keep on,
Now we'll hear about an organized movement among employees at one of the largest dollar retail chains in the nation. Sean Hagerup reports. The retail chain Dollar General is experiencing an increasing number of direct actions organized and executed by its employees. Employees who say that their pay and working conditions have been abysmal for years. The company has long been accused of cutting corners at the cost of worker safety. The U.S. Department of Labor has proposed $3.3 million in fines against the company for OSHA violations, which include sanitation violations, obstructed exits, and housekeeping issues, among other problems. This is in addition to more than $8 million the company has been forced to pay for violations of the Fair Labor Standards Act. With net sales amounting to more than $34 billion, company executives have been enjoying lucrative compensation packages, especially CEO Todd Vassos, who received $17 million in 2021. Despite its success relative to other major retail chains, Dollar General is one of the lowest paying with average wages barely above the woefully insufficient 725 federal minimum wage. Rising costs of living and inflation are worsened by the lack of hours allotted to workers. Last year, $6 general workers attempted to organize a union at their store in Barkhamstead, Connecticut. In response, the company hired five union-busting firms, paying them a total of $13,000 per day. The workers who cited fear of losing their jobs, voted against unionizing the store when the election was held last October. One store in Marion, North Carolina, joined with other Dollar General stores around the country the day after International Workers' Day for a coordinated walkout against the company. Quote, I work part-time, less than 30 hours a week, Ashley Sierra, one of the Marion workers, told the Progressive in a report. Quote, I want to work more hours, but I can't get them. My check is only about $200. It's hard to pay the bills. I have kids. My youngest is 10 years old. Dollar General can afford to pay us $15 an hour right now. If it wasn't for us, there would be no company and no millions in profit. Reporting for Libra Radio, I'm Sean Hagerup. Activists have launched a campaign to make the foreign policy of the AFL-CIO match the need of union members. Frank Emsbach has the story. For years, the AFL-CIO has used membership dues to engage in foreign activities. In theory, these activities were in support of international labor solidarity. However, many observers noted that the AFL-CIO was implicated with CIA efforts to support right-wing anti-labor regimes. The issue of who the AFL-CIO supports and how they do it will again be a topic at the upcoming AFL-CIO convention in June 12th to 15th in Philadelphia. Earlier this spring, activists from across the country announced the creation of the Labor Education Project on the AFL-CIO International Operations. This is the first project to focus on AFL-CIO operations around the globe since efforts to pass the, quote, build unity and trust among workers worldwide, end quote, resolution at the AFL-CIO's 2005 National Convention in Chicago. The organization was formed to challenge AFL-CIO support for sanctions against Venezuela, among other countries, and to build meaningful support for the strong, independent auto workers unions at Ford and GM in Mexico. I am Frank Emsbach from Madison Labor Radio. Now, here's Labor Radio's Carol Wydell with our Statistic of the Week. This week's statistic is the average wage for home health care workers in Wisconsin. 
the wage range is 1257 to 1341 per hour. In every state, an undervalued home health care workforce, overwhelmingly composed of women, workers of color, and immigrants, receives extremely low wages to perform vital work for the nation's older adults and people with disabilities. State medium wages for home health care workers in 2021 range from $8.76 per hour in Louisiana to $17.45 per hour in Massachusetts. The source of this data is the Economic Policy Institute in collaboration with New America. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. The Wisconsin Coalition to Save Civil Service will hold a birthday party for the Wisconsin Civil Service System this Thursday, June 16th at 5 p.m. outside the Wisconsin Capitol Building on the State Street Steps in Madison. Matthew Rothschild of the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign will speak. For more information, search for Civil Service Birthday Party 2022 on Facebook. You can now hear our show anytime. Here's Labor Radio's Janine Ramsey to talk about how to subscribe to the Labor Radio podcast. Are you a worker? Then we have news for you. Labor Radio is a news program by, for, and about working people. As we enter our third decade on the WART airwaves, we're excited to bring you a new way to listen via a podcast. The Labor Radio podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Rate and subscribe to bring more working people's issues to the digital airwaves. That's the Labor Radio podcast available from your community radio station, WORT. 89.9 FM Madison. And now, a special message to all of our listeners and supporters. First of all, you are amazing. Thank you. We couldn't ask for better support, and we couldn't do this without you. We are still adding up all of the numbers, but we know we have met or come close to our goal, thanks to all of you. We will be leaving the donation page with all the thank you gifts up on our website at wortfm.org through next Tuesday. If you don't get a, if you didn't get a chance to donate or want to kick in a little more to make sure we hit our goal, thank you. And if we go over our goal that extra money, the money will go towards new soundboards which are critical towards our continued operation in the next year. Again, thank you for your support. Thanks for listening to Labor- Madison Labor Radio. I'm Mike Bernhard. Thanks to editors Frank Emsbach, Ellen LaLuzerne, Assistant Robert G., Robin G., excuse me, uh, reporter Mike Bernhard, Greg Jabowski, Sean Hagerup, Anna um. Ham, Scott McCulloch, Janine Ramsey, Tony Reeves, Carol Widell, and Damage Control Specialist Joanne Powers. Thank, thank you as well to website editor J.J. Meyer. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, and to all our readers and the members of IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Anna Ham. Thank you to all of our generous contributors. Labor Radio News Collective did really well in the pledge drive and was mentioned in many favorite shows. So please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts. Mm-hmm.